0: You are listening to WHOA Podcast. Coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Florida. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast. The podcast bringing you individuals and, business, uh, and businesses that make you oh, <laughs> Whoa. Um, um, one day, I promise, everybody, <laughs> I will nail that. I promise. Um, today, we have the incredible... The amazing, the super talented Brandon West. He told me to say this, by the way. <laughs> Brandon West, CEO and founder of Fos Creative, a strategic digital marketing agency based right here in our hometown of GNV, baby. Woo! And then we have Jason Hurst, who is the local franchisee. They really don't like you to say franchisee. Yeah, they, they hate that.
1: that. Yeah, it's more charter store owner. Charter store. Yeah. <laughs>
0: the local charter store (laughs) owner for Maple Street Biscuit Company with a store in Butler Plaza and another one opening soon in the Tioga Town Center. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast.
1: Good morning. <laughs> Pleasure to be here.
0: I Love the energy too, man. It's hey man, I, I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to pull it out of you guys. <laughs> no, it's I'm, like I'm it's, up. It's 8 a.m., you know? I'm up. So, Ty, dude, what is going on? We just beat LSU this past Thursday, apparently. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, everybody who's listening, we are just joking about all that because it's uh, July 20th, and and as you've heard me say before, we're trying to pre-record enough content to get through August and the beginning of September because we are gonna be very, very busy business owners as we... Uh, enter the new the new semester
2: but um, hopefully we just beat
0: yeah. <laughs> LSU well, what's going on man how are
2: you yeah first off i'm excited to have these guys here especially excited to have maple street in Tioga. i'm in yoga all the time so come on it'll be nice Some to on. not not go to World of Beer, at lunch, to work. I can I, go to Maple Street. I remember <laughs>
3: when it was announced that the second location was coming and I literally posted on Facebook that all my prayers for the beginning of this year have been answered. Yeah, God, <laughs> so thank God,
2: you, God bless Jason. America. God bless America. <laughs> thank you.
1: Uh.
2: Um, but I'll age the podcast real quick here. So I woke up like 15 minutes ago on the couch and uh, I'm a golfer, so this morning I woke up, I was up early, uh, I was up at like four watching Tiger and it was pretty boring, so I fell asleep on the couch, Alarm didn't go off, girlfriend got up, 7.45, I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna be late, so. um, I would've started without, just so you know, I would've 100% started without you, and
0: as you walked into this door, I would've embarrassed you. You would've gotten roasted. (laughs) I was actually thinking of framing it up, like as you walked in and acting like we had just started, just to kinda scare you a little bit, but. That would've been pretty good. (laughs) It's it's gonna happen, we start early. so it's all good, but yeah, I'm here, dude. It's funny because Mike Dees, our general manager here at New Scooters for Less. He uh, took a, a picture of a biscuit yeah. over at Maple Street and sent it to me, and he was like, he was like, dude, this culture, like, radiates. <laughs> Us. I mean, like the fact that I that I had to give them my superhero name, so that way when they called my order, <laughs> yeah, I knew it was wild. mine. I was like, you know, it just like, dawned on me. I didn't, I didn't bring any
1: biscuits, dude. Yeah, you really messed up I there. Well, the moment you
3: walked in the door, I was thinking the same
1: thing. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm actually making biscuits for folks this morning. That's that's why. So in
3: about five <laughs> hours, we're catering <laughs> for the whole team. Yeah, really? Right. Are you Serious? Yeah. Complete but, irony, the ti- <laughs> dude. The timing. That's great. It's his fault and you're
0: Accidentally going to drop some off here. I mean, you know, yeah, <laughs> on a scooter. Actually, oh, no, there you go. Hey, we could have a delivery <laughs> scooter yeah. that can Maple make Street. like a
2: heated seat inside. Oh, that's we,
0: right. We could definitely there you do go. That. Don't, yeah. don't even try me, because it's it's 100 a possibility. <laughs> so, well, guys, thanks again so much for being here. We're super super excited to have you. Um, we always like to start with the origin stories, man. Oh, like man. I I, we'll I love story. Yeah. That, Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they can get a little long, yeah. so keep that in mind. But i definitely like to hear where entrepreneurs got their start, like what what led to this moment where you're at right
3: now. And uh, yeah, just give it to us. So who wants to go first? Volunteers. Uh, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> so I am Brandon West, the CEO and founder of FOS Creative. We're a, a digital marketing agency here in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, we just recently celebrated our five-year Anniversary as a company did it at Islands of Adventures. Congrats, man! That's that awesome. was awesome. Yeah, had a great. Had a we went for a full day down to Orlando and uh, had a an exp, a full Express Pass for every single person. Spent the whole day riding roller coasters. Did you have out.
0: even numbers for roller coaster? I'm always concerned about roller coaster riding because there's always that one person who has to ride by themselves, <laughs> the lone
3: ranger. That would be you.
0: I... <laughs> did you have even numbers? I'm just curious.
3: It was It was great, man. Perfect every single time. Okay, but did you have two
0: even numbers? Like, who was singled out? Was anybody <laughs> singled
3: out? They had to ride by themselves. Only one person who we later figured out was pregnant and was throwing up that morning. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, wow.
0: Hi, pregnant person. Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. <laughs> well, hope you're doing well, pregnant the person. First,
3: the first ride that we went on was the, the Harry Potter ride. That thing is intense. Yeah. I had no idea how intense that was gonna be. Yeah, it's intense. Uh, so that wasn't a, a great start. We probably should have eased into it a little bit more. Cool, so, it's fi- so five years down already, man. Five years. Congrats, nice. uh, nice. uh, So awesome. five years ago, the company started with just me working out of my home office. Uh, my wife was homeschooling both of our two children at the time and so I'd be in the office uh, with a portable AC unit to keep it cooler in there because it was off in the side, wasn't well air conditioned in our little home, and I so would what hear. what you're saying is that your wife was working way harder than you were because <laughs> homeschooling two <laughs>
0: children has gotta be like. Yes. A
1: piss. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes.
3: So um, the kids would go screaming down the hallway during the day and, and I'd be in there building some websites and like you said, just chilling basically. <laughs> While she worked really <laughs> <Just> hard. relaxing. <laughs> but the beauty of working at home was uh, you know, could be 2 p.m. and some fresh home-baked cookies would be delivered right at the door by my wife. So Man, it was a blast. Sad. The first the first person I ever hired was my best friend at the time and I wanted to stop him from moving to Atlanta and so I said, hey, come and work for me and uh, don't move. And so I offered him a small salary to come and help and that was the beginning of a company for us. And a few months later, I hired two more people, so it's four people working out of this home office, <laughs> Are you one on each wall. We practiced great safety procedures by taping down cords that would be throughout the room. <laughs> Again, we had the AC unit to help keep us all cool, but we didn't have the little window attachment thing where you put the vent throughout the window. So we would stick the vent in the window, crash down the window to hold it in, and then close the blinds so that the, the hot air wouldn't bleed. In. <laughs> Wow. Hello long were you in your Safe house Serious engineering. So four people in my house for one week while Dave Farrow, a great realtor here in town, uh, helped me uh, find, a find, find a spot. He, he let us come in and use his spot while we built out a uh, whole studio next door. And uh, we've scaled kind of year over year, doubling or tripling what we've done. And, but uh,
0: out of the five years, was like one of them spit in the house?
3: About like, half of one with one, of one week okay. spent with four people okay, in okay, one okay, home okay. studio. Gotcha. So, um, but over those five years, we've had a lot of success. We've grown to become the number one, highest-rated agency in North Central Florida. We've won uh, four Addies this past year, two Gold Angel awards, one of which beat out Publix for a non nonprofit category. Oh, uh, we've got twelve people here on the team. One of them works remotely, so we've we've ventured into the remote work program and how that works. Mm. Um, but it's been a blast. I've got a great team and uh, a great family that stands behind me as well. I'm kind of interested
0: on the remote stuff. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we might circle back on that. Yeah, I'm interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> for, how remote do remote people work Remote biscuit, <laughs> <Yeah>. remote biscuit <laughs> <baby>. Hey, everybody <laughs> make the biscuits at home. You bring them here, you drop That's them right. off. That's right. <laughs> Bootstrap it a little bit. <laughs> so Jason, man. You got, you got to tell me this story, dude. Because uh, I mean, I yeah. know you at Front, Front Street, Street. Yeah. So I mean, still there? Still there? Yeah, still there. Still there. You're yeah. just like more work, more yeah, work. Sleep
1: more. is optional. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> cool. So man. yeah, so, so. Yeah, how, yeah. How
0: did you get involved with this?
1: So ra- random story. I was uh, taking listing line calls when I first started at Front Street. Maybe about three and a half years ago. I Started at Front Street about four years ago, but three and a half years uh, into into it or so, or half a year into it. Um, I get a call from a random guy that's like, hey, I'm with Maple Street Biscuit Company, we're looking for spots in Gainesville, and I need you to show me some stuff. Uh, how he got my name, I don't know. How he got my number, no clue. I'm new I'm new in the business, hadn't done maybe more than two deals at that point. So, um, I take these guys out. I get to meet uh, Scott Moore, um, Gus Evans, who were the founders of the company at the time. I, I didn't know who they were. Um, but we, we looked at the old Rosenbowl space on 34th. Um, Thought we had iced it down, and we were gonna uh, open up a Maple Street there, but they ended up going cold on me, so I don't know (laughs) what happened. Um, But I was like, well, maybe we didn't find the right spot in Gainesville. Are you looking at Tallahassee? Because I managed the market for Tallahassee for Front Street as well. And uh, they were like, yeah, actually, we're on our way up there now. So I was like, okay, well, I've got this spot here that's that's closing up, and uh, I want you to take a look at it. And they go up there, and they're like, well, I love it. How do I get into it? And I say, uh, that's actually my first restaurant deal. Uh, but we ended up going back and forth. Uh, to make a long story short, that ended up being their first location in Tallahassee um, at FSU at the at the Lux. Um, So we ended up keeping keeping in touch. Uh, ended up going to actually try the food. While I was in Jacksonville on a random vacation, and I don't know how you don't fall in love with Maple Street when you taste the food. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. But above that, it was a very interesting feeling that I got when I go in there. Um, it was it was they had this thing called gracious service, uh, which is my first, my first, uh, my first inroad into what they, what, how they conduct their business and gracious service is one of their four, four pillars. And uh, I'll tell you a story, one, one time, uh, and this was further, a little bit further down the road, we were going into the restaurant, nobody knew who we were, we were in the process of uh, becoming Maple Street owners at that time and one of the girls that came out that brought our food, she accidentally stepped on my wife's foot and my wife was pregnant at the time and uh, we didn't think anything of it, it was an accident. She was like, oh, I'm so sorry, blah, 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 blah. And we were like, oh, d- don't worry about it. We weren't even thinking about it. We had our focus on the biscuits, so was, <laughs> we were all good. Um, but they were, she came back, and she brought us like a cash refund. She was like, we don't want your experience to be bad at all. And we were like, well, we'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> Free biscuits, and you stepped in my foot. So, uh, so that's just an example of the stuff they do on a daily basis. Um, but anyway, so rewind back to back to um, when we were getting into the process. So I was I was just curious what I needed to do to become an owner. I wanted to go from customer to owner of Maple Street, um, and I, I didn't have the money at the time. I, I didn't have the experience at the time. Now I've I've got entrepreneurial experience up to wazoo. I've done anything from owning a buy sell trade and repair uh, a mobile mobile device business. Um, I've been in the uh, maintenance business. I've owned maintenance businesses before, where we clean up parking lots. i had a big parking lot sweeper, uh, so <laughs> I, I'm not a, I'm not a stranger to entrepreneurship. But I've never been in the restaurant game. But I, um, I'm, I'm big on following out your dreams, and I, I felt like I was getting into a place in my life where. Um, you know, Front Street became automatic. It was stuff that I can do within my own means, but what could I do to explore something that was beyond me uh, that would not just be an effect on, you know, just me and my family, but an effect on an entire community. And um, I asked... I had a conversation with the owners of Maple Street and their their mission, I found out that their mission was to help people serve others and be a part of the community. Mm. And if I had a tagline under my name, I was like, dang, that's that's what the heck I would do. That's good. Uh, so, so I ended up starting to talk to a whole bunch of different people, uh, attracted some investors, um, found out that Maple Street is number 27 on the Yelp list for best places to eat in the entire country, mm. and number 15 on the fastest growing uh, franchises. So all this stuff unfolded, I was like, dude, I gotta jump on this. Because back in high school I wanted to be a franchisee and all throughout college I, w- I started ordering packets for Tropical Smoothie and Subway and all these different concepts that I wanted to uh, to franchise but I kind of let that dream go dormant and got complacent with the, the cares of life um, but I said you know I'm gonna step out on this thing and as soon as I stepped out I'm a firm believer in the corridor principle where when you step out into something you stepped out down to the hallway of your dreams doors start opening up that you couldn't open up otherwise. Um, so I started, I started going down that corridor and doors started opening up left and right uh, so one, one thing led to another um, after many no's and many uh, rejections from banks and friends and family uh, they're not friends and family anymore um, but <laughs> no I'm just kidding but, um, <laughs> <so> <laughs> but I ended up finding some, some great partners who are uh, Papa John's franchisees um, and they ended up believing in me essentially and uh, we, we ended up opening the Tioga Townsend location, or about to open the Tioga Townsend location. So in doing that, and in waiting, and as this thing kind of progressed, because I was getting a little bit unpa- impatient, um, the, Maple Street calls me and says, hey, it doesn't make sense for us to have a corporate store in town along with a franchise store. What do you think about taking over Butler Plaza? I was like, sounds great. Don't have the means to do it. They were like, well, think about it, pray about it, get back to us, and... Let us know. So, I ended up calling more banks, more no's, more rejection, and uh, ended up finding one bank that believed in the concept, believed in me. Um, went through a grueling process with, with getting the financing, but next thing you know, I set out on a dream to open up one Maple Street store, and ended up with two in my lap. Wow. And um, I, you know, I just attribute that to just first of all having a dream, communicating that dream passionately, and um, just watching watching the doors open up. Um, Did after the same doing bank that. help you with both? Uh no two two different banks okay yeah two different banks in town uh and I, I, that was probably two out of twenty that I talked to yeah uh so two two out of twenty options uh so the the, the numbers and the percentage are, isn't great but all you need is two people to say yes and um they they said yes and we're off and moving
0: do you mind if I ask if they were more like local banks you want to banks. say they were yeah yep. local yep. banks you know like I've heard that over and over and over yeah. you know with the bigger with the big big guys like. You're, you get hit in the face with no after no after no. You really have to go after those local banks that really kind of ha- are also very invested into the community. So, yeah, good for you, man. Absolutely um, that's awesome. Can awesome. Was this the first like franchise? Like, how many stores did they have before these two?
1: So, yeah. So, before we opened up Tioga, before we signed a lease in Tioga, they had 10 stores. Okay. And what, now it's they like primarily were. Primarily where? Oh, so they're in Florida, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina. Uh, just announced Texas is going to be opening in a few weeks here, Um, Georgia, and Tennessee. Yeah. So at the time when I signed on as a franchisee, we were the first, I hate to use the term franchisees, so if they hear this, just... Don't, don't, don't kill the mess. Community party, bro. <laughs> don't, don't kill the mess. But for the all intents and purposes, we were the first franchisees to sign on with Maple Street. Traditionally, they had wanted to be just community stores led by the Jacksonville corporate office. And they don't like the word corporate either, so please forgive me. The family office. <laughs> um, so uh, we were the first franchisees to sign. Not the first franchisees to open, but the first franchisees to sign. Um, so we, we were very proud of that. And at the time when we opened Tioga, there was about eight stores. They're now up to 28. And this was just a year and a half ago. Dang! So they're growing like WalMarts, man. It's all over <laughs> the place. Over. <laughs> yeah. Ty, I
0: thought you were about to ask something.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say. I think the first location was in Riverside, in Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, downtown. Uh, it's the original. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, it's a good s- spot to go to on your way to Florida, Georgia. For yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, San, San Marco area, Jack's Beach. Um, yeah. They're all over them, Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah, they're very well regarded in Jacksonville.
0: Have those guys like been any, you know? I'm just curious from the, I don't want to use the word franchise either. I'm scared. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Maple Street. Um, hey, he said it, not me, guys. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, do those guys serve really as kind of like mentors like in this? I mean, oh, God, yeah.
1: Um, how is that relationship? Yeah, I mean, you've, you've known them for how long now? Three and a half years. Uh, yeah, three and a half years. Um, they have been very much so uh, mentors. Just not even just from a business standpoint, just from a f- personal standpoint, their their ethics and their um, personal convictions really come through in their business model, and you can tell. And there's a certain type of people that they hire as well. Um, it really resounds in their culture, um, and, and they only. And it's, it's so interesting. So the process for going through the quote-unquote franchisee uh, model was. Completely grueling. Like they <laughs> gave us like this 19 question questionnaire that like got into my soul. Like I felt <laughs> I felt <laughs> naked and un- and afraid. Um, but uh, it was it was good because it really it really dives into who you are as a person. Because there's only a certain people certain people that they have as part of their model. And they also had us read Good to Great. Um, we read this book called Raving Fans, um, Crucial Conversations, How to Communicate in, uh, When the, the Stakes Are High. Um, so like I had to go through all this, and then they had this thing called confronting reality, which tries to scare the bejesus out of you and <laughs> in getting into the restaurant business. But I, I actually loved it more after the confronting the reality process. Uh, so you basically spend three days in a restaurant, and uh, you work in, in the, on the dishes. You work on the line, creating the biscuits. You work as an ambassador, or, or their their uh, term for cashier. Um, and it basically tries to scare the mess out of you. Um, you, you gotta, and it was in Jacksonville, so I had to leave the house at like 4 a.m. just to get there. I was in Jack's Beach, and then I was in their new Fleming Island location. So uh, yeah, no, it, was, it actually made me love and appreciate them more um, because of going through that, because it's, it's a very unique culture, and so I appreciate the it.
0: The Butler Plaza location, that, yeah. that one's running, that's up yeah. been going, yeah. and how far is Tioga from being complete?
1: Uh next week. We'll open next week by the time this podcast is be on, uh we'll we'll be open. Okay. Hopefully. (laughs) No, no, we'll be two two months (laughs) in.
0: (laughs) So so I heard like this morning I walked in and you were talking to Brandon a little bit about like the fact that you guys were hiring quickly. Um I mean, how do you ensure when you when when you gotta go from zero to I mean how many team members are in in a restaurant at Um, a time?
1: Ideally, we have twenty on staff. Uh, like working, uh, half full time, half part time. Well, now on Saturday, everybody's working. Twenty okay. people. Yeah, we okay, need so, a minimum. I mean, going people.
0: from going from zero to to twenty. Yeah, like quickly. Yeah, <laughs> can very well you know shake up culture. I yeah. mean, how, what things do you guys do to make sure that you're hiring correctly? Yeah. So and for, that you're
1: getting people that whose values align with y'all's. Yeah. So for, for us, we, we define first. We define what the heck we want, because uh, for me, a culture is uh, a shared set of values and a community of beliefs that uh, everyone holds dearly to them. So um, for us, it was more so finding the people who we admire, the other businesses that we admire, like a Chick fil A. And, uh, not not that we going we went to steal them but uh, we encourage them to come over <laughs> um, <laughs> so we go to businesses that we champion like Starbucks and uh, again encourage them to come over. let's just, let's just say that um, and then we went to we inbox churches um, we we saw people that we liked initially that our initial hires and we asked them to go bring their friends because usually birds of a feather flock together mm-hmm. so uh, it's been' Usually it'd be a, a little bit of a challenge. I mean, we haven't taken everybody, but we, I'd say 80% of the people that we've interviewed, we've hired because of the places that we fished. We knew what we wanted out of a per, out of people, so we went to people that we admired um, and businesses that we admired and attracted those people.
0: Now Brandon, I know you have kind of a solid, <laughs> I'm trying to look for the right word, solid hiring process. Um, it's not It's not like, oh hey, welcome. <laughs> you know, and then right in the door, I mean, what things do, because you, you also have a fantastic culture at your, at your place. I mean, what things do you do in order, I mean, same question basically, to ensure
3: that you're hiring the right kind of people. Yeah, well I love what Jason said, that culture begins with, with values. Um, I think that that really sums up every part of, of what those interactions will look like on a daily basis. Not, not just on your team, but your team with your clients. And that's how you can judge success. Did we fulfill our values today? Um, that began for us about three and a half years ago. So I hired somebody who was great at strategic planning to come in and help somebody who was weak, me, in vision casting. You know, Where do you want to be in three to five years? I don't know. But I know tomorrow I'm supposed to do a, a little bit better than I was doing today. And so I had, a, I had trouble with projecting out on the future. And so I had somebody come in, a business consultant, I hired Bill Dorman and Cross Linear Business Consulting here in Gainesville to come in and help me unpack that. What is our mission, what is our vision, and what are our values? To this day, those values that we set three and a half years ago are the same exact values that we've had, and every single week we take time to give shout outs on the team for people putting those into place, putting those in action. Hmm. <clears throat> how, how have we sought to employ our, our values in the past week? Give me some examples and people will say, hey shout out to, to John for doing this. Hey shout out to Alexis on the team for, for doing that. Such a great example of this value on our team. The things that you celebrate are the things that you'll see regularly at your company. I think that's where culture begins. Um, our mission hmm. and our vision, those things have changed. I love what, what you shared Jason about the, the mission of uh, Maple Street Biscuit Company, that's, that's beautiful man. I remember the first time I wanted to change my mission statement, I freaked out. <laughs> I'm thinking like, people don't people don't change their mission. You can't ever change your mission. Like that's why you exist. If you change it, you're a different company. And I realized that, and you know, to, to anybody who's thinking, I don't know if my mission accurately defines who we are anymore. That's okay. It's a journey to unpack that, yeah. and it, it's taken me years to, to get it deeper and deeper and deeper into my why and why we exist. I remember our first mission statement was to make the internet a better place by helping companies look good and get found online. And I realized about six months into that, if I did that, life wasted. <laughs> I really care very little about the internet. Um, if people put on my tombstone, he made the internet a better place. Life <laughs> wasted. And so now our mission statement's completely different. It's taken multiple iterations to get down to, really in the end, what, what really fires us up, what fuels our culture on a daily basis? What do we actually want to celebrate at the end of any engagement with a client? And so now our mission statement is to empower our clients to market through their mission to reach their vision. Wow! So we care about what happens to a company, a client, in the end. Do we help them reach their vision that they have for the company? And how are we gonna do that uniquely? Uniquely is going to be through their mission, because that's what defines each company in its unique place. You know Phos, this this, this word that defines my company. It's the Greek word for light. That's what I studied in, in college, classical studies, Greek and Latin language, Greek and Roman history. Uh, it helped me be a teacher for four years. Then it helped me <clears throat> come up with a new name for my company. So <clears throat> that was the second great usage of my uh, of my degree. <laughs> phos it's the Greek word for light. And this concept of light for us is, again, it's part of the culture of how we ca- helping companies to look good and get found online. That part of that initial vision um, that would just say, hey look, there's a sea of sameness out there. You look at the digital landscape and there's, okay, yeah. oh yeah, that brand kinda looks like that brand. Oh yeah, that mm-hmm. of similar to that. Similar messaging, similar photography. How do we help companies escape the sea of sameness and that's what being a light is about. Piercing through that and saying here's how we're gonna be different uh, with messaging, with video, with media. Um, And those things have helped drive our culture as well. The hiring process is just really a reflection of all that. We typically have 80 applicants for any given position. About 20 of them will get a phone call. About 10 of those will get a first date. About five of those will get a second date. And in the end, only one offer is gonna be made. Um, but it's a cool thing when, when we're realizing that's like a 1.25% conversion ratio. 1.25% <clears throat> of the people that apply get to work at my company. I <laughs> pointed out to my leadership team the other day, hey, you wanna know who, who has a lot higher success ratio than those applicants? That's our interns. We've spun up this amazing internship program over the past couple years. Our interns have a 15 to 20% conversion ratio because we bring them in and we get them involved in that culture and they get to see it on a daily basis. I get to see, are you a great fit? Have you really adopted that culture? Do you on a daily basis display our core values? And then Mm -hmm. if they do, we're saying, hey, we really want you to to be a part of this process and stay on. So the hiring process, it's pretty rigorous. I remember just recently we hired somebody The last step, this was honestly like a fourth date for her. <clears throat> Took her out to lunch, and I just wanted to hang out and see if uh, see how it would interact. Had another leader with me on the team, um, and I just asked her at then, what do you think of our hiring process? And that was my, my giving her a lot of freedom. I was hoping that she would critique this. If she wouldn't, I didn't sense enough transparency to hire her, so I said, what do you think of our, our hiring process? She's like, well, you know, it's 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 been good. I said, seems like you're, you're Hesitating there, what's what's going on? And she said, well, I'm not sure you know what you're looking for. And I said, boom, I'm gonna hire this girl. <laughs> and so then I turned around and I said, hey, I just want you to understand, um, it's not that we don't know what we're looking for, it's that we're really, really set on what we're looking for. I'm just trying to make sure that's you. Um, expect an offer from us later this week. That's, that's awesome.
2: Cool.
1: really cool. I need some interns. I'm Well,
2: <laughs> I miss
0: what's it. the, I mean, cool. as you, look back to, you know, you said three and a half years ago is like when you really started zeroing in
3: on that, th- that mission, vision, and values. You know, before that, it's, it's all organic. You just hope that your culture is something that just sort of happens and it's this loose, loose thing that uh, just kind of exists upon its own, but it has no measurement. You can't go back and say, did we do well at our culture? Because all you have to base it on is the past week, past three months, past three years, and say like, we're pretty much the same. I think we're doing pretty well. Our culture is pretty fun, and you get these people who, you know, take culture to mean the luncheons that you have with your team. Right. That's right. not culture. The, the things, yeah. the perks, the yeah, yeah, and oh well, you know, yeah, our culture is really good, but our work it's it's brutal. No, your culture is brutal. At that three-year mark, how many people did you have? At the three-year mark, we had about eight to ten people.
0: Okay, you know what? I was at that same stage. Like, I remember—I don't—I don't know how many years it was after. Um, it was probably a little bit longer than that. I mean, like our our values, right? Were really my values. Like when it was, when it's one person, and yeah. then you hire on the first person, you know, the first person, and then a couple more, and you got like four or five people like you're, you're bringing in people that, or you're looking for people who have your values but there's nothing that's like really like these are our values. Like my values were always, um, you know, to treat others the way you wanted to be treated. You know what I mean, like simple <laughs> things like that. And then I realized right around that time, I think we had, again, like right around eight to 10 people was, was when we sat down and we're like, you know what guys, this isn't my company more, this is our company. Like, what are our values as a company and what do we want this to look like? And I think, I think that's a good size. I get asked that question a lot. And that's why I'm like, you know, kind of just staying, staying on the subject is because I can't tell you how many business owners were like, hey, when, when did you sit down and say, we're going to
3: like lay out these values? Yeah. I would argue that by the time you, you hire your first person, you ought to be thinking mm-hmm. in that direction. Yeah, um, yeah. We're, we're helping right now do some strategic planning for a very small company. Her, and she just hired a friend about four months ago. She's sitting down now at the front of her business and working with just this one person to say what's our culture gonna look like one day and what are our values gonna be? I think that's brilliant. That's yeah, setting that's yourself up for success.
1: You know what's, what's interesting, um, when we took, we essentially took over and inherited the Butler Plaza restaurant um, about a month ago and I, don't, I can't say that they shared the, the values and uh, the, the culture of what Maple Street was supposed to be. We went around a circle and maybe, I, it took about 15 minutes, but one person had one the part of the mission right, then another person had another part of the mission right, and we ended up putting the mission together, but nobody really knew what the heck they were doing. And the MO of a Maple Street restaurant is to uh, have gracious service, comfort foods with a modern twist, and then help people serve others, be a part of the community, and nobody knew what the heck they were doing, so we were kind of like a helpless amoeba. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but I will say this, they were, they were very successful, but how much more can you be successful when you're actually following and implementing the mission? So right now we're going through a whole process, we're retraining everybody, uh, we're, we're constantly reminding them of what the mission is, and I love what Brandon said, uh, asking them at the end of the day, what did you do to help people? What did you do to serve others? What did you do to be a part of the community? And I think that that uh, consistency and that uh, momentum continues to resonate in your heart to where it becomes a part of you. That's, and it becomes a part of the way you do business.
3: I love that about your story as well because you talked about impact mm-hmm. in the community. You talked about it on a, on a wider basis than those 20 people that work for, for one, particular <clears throat> um, one particular office. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you wanted to have an impact beyond just the people in the store?
1: Yeah. So one another thing that we noticed when we took over the Butler Plaza restaurant is that they had done very well for, uh, you know, kind of implementing what they knew about the mission to the people that were in the restaurant. So they did they did well in doing that. Um, but we had not yet gone outside the walls and the doors of the, the uh, into the community. So immediately, what we did was my wife is on the board of Gr- Girls Place. Um, I'm on obviously to a whole bunch of people and being in real estate and we started to connect them with what the mission uh, was of of Maple Street Biscuit Company because I I like to say we're in the people business first even though the food is very good food is the common connector for most people so we want to make sure that that's good too Um, but we are in the people business first Um, so we just went out and started going out into the community uh, uh, at girls place uh, did a catering order for them Uh, called you and, and let you know that I was in the business we just let people know that we were there and why we existed and people had no idea, they just thought we were just comfort foods with a modern twist. But no, we're here to serve you guys. Uh, we've, we've had uh, churches come in and have events there so far. Uh, we went out to Tent City, uh, Grace Marketplace, and just served biscuits, just gave away a whole bunch of biscuits. And not that we're looking for a pat on the back, but that's part of our mission. Uh, and even, even now, in Butler Plaza, we have a very unique place. Um, at night, I didn't realize there was such a homeless problem over there. Um, so we don't want them necessarily lording around our restaurant, but we, we'll give away biscuits at the end of the day. Um, we'll ask them to leave, but we'll send them away with lovely <laughs> parting gifts. Um, but no, we—that's we, we, why we exist, and, and we really had to. And now it's starting to resonate, and it's becoming contagious within the culture of the people that are there now, and they're starting to get it, and they're bringing all over people like, oh, this this organization needs this, this organization, needs this. and we can't. We can't bless all of them. <laughs> we still have to run, uh, run a sustainable business, but now it's starting to resonate and become contagious and it's been, it's been a really awesome journey.
3: Dude, I, I know you're not looking for a pat on the back for that, but I just want to say like this is greatness, good to great, like this is greatness in a company. I think you know how many of these modern brands are moving towards this idea of like how we give back? Mm-hmm. I just got Facebook marketed this morning from for a business that uh, started with two men who were told that they were gonna be blind in six months. You have a wow. disease, you're gonna mm. go blind. And they started this business, Two Blind Men or something like that. And it's <laughs> it's a clothing line. I wanna say they give 100% of all their profits back towards blind research. I wow. mean, how many of these brands are just moving in wow. that direction? I remember um, about two years ago, an amazing event happened in my life that really changed the entire direction of my business. I was down at a concert, ironically, uh, Matthew West,
1: Brandon West, not Matthew West. <laughs> we were just talking about this the other day. because I keep <laughs> wanting to call him Matthew, I'm like, all right Matt, so what's your order for this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> His name is Brandon. Not, so Brandon. I, sit- I was sitting out, there.
3: Matthew West is a contemporary Christian artist, I was sitting out there in the crowd and I was just shouting out, brother! Uh, while he was on stage. Uh, Matthew West, you know, a lot of these singers, they'll bring some sort of ministry or, or uh, nonprofit with them and they'll talk about it. During the break, he talked about Compassion International, Compassion International, and he talked about their fiscal responsibility. He talked about his um, pushback on these kind of things. Like, I don't really know where the money's going. Do you really do what you say you're gonna do? Is helping one kid really all that helpful? And his cynicism towards compassion really resonated with me. Mm -hmm. Like, do I have an impact if I just give you $38 a month? Is it really that big? And then they called him and flew him out to one of the sites where they sponsored a child wow. in Africa. Wow. And he said that week literally broke his heart when he arrived for the first time and a child ran up and jumped into his arms and yeah, said sure. thank you. Uh, wow. It rocked his life. And that day I chose to sponsor and I had a choice. Which credit card am I gonna give? My credit card or FOSA's credit card? At the last minute I chose to give Fosse's credit card for the payment for this child. And that was an interesting choice for me because now the company was paying for a child to be sponsored overseas. And that, it took me like three months to wrap my head around that, like my company now exists and the profits that it makes helps rescue a kid from extreme poverty overseas. And that became part of our mission. So we adopted a global vision at that point that by the end of the year 2020, we would have 20 people on our team supporting 20 kids overseas. And at the end of each year, part of our end of the year giving goes towards compassion as well. And last year I sat down, and when you're talking about this idea of how your team has begun to embrace that vision. Mm-hmm. Last year, at the end of the year, I sat down and it was one of the last days in December where I give out end of the year bonuses. Like, hey, you've been a great employee. I just wanna thank you. Here's a check for X amount of, X amount of dollars. I had two people, okay, that morning when I sat down, here's, your, you know, thank you so much. Here's your, here's your your bonus or whatever. Tell me, hey Brandon, I know you just this morning you sent out a, Queried everybody on the team, asking like, "How how would you like folks to give to compassion this year?" And you get to choose. Like, I want to buy Bibles or mosquito nets or I want to help uh, with this water problem or buy a goat for a kid overseas or a cow <laughs> or a farm. Or I want to all these different things you can pick from this magazine of compassion. I had two people that morning tell me, "Just give my entire bonus this year to oh, compassion." Wow. Dang, wow, that's cool. Wow, I was literally in tears. Yeah, giving is contagious for sure. Yeah, so I just want to thank you for what you're doing there, man, and. And uh, just encourage people here who are listening to this as well. Consider, Andy Stanley asks this great question about purpose. He says, "What breaks your heart?" You know, people who want to give back just so that they can have that PR component—forget it, wasted. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you want to ask yourself that question, you're willing to say what breaks my heart, you'll find purpose and you'll find something you can wrap your heart around, wrap the purpose of your company around, wrap your mission around, wrap your culture around and really have an impact not just with those people but the community as well.
0: I gotta think that it's, it's a little bit easier for companies like yours and mine because of the fact that we might be able to retain our talent a little bit longer and, and maybe I'm completely wrong, like I know you haven't been at Maple Street too long, but when you look at places where I would think turnover of team members is a little bit higher, yeah. a little bit quicker, maybe maybe they're in for school and then when they're done with school, you know, or in and out, like how, how long is the typical team member over at Maple Street? You know, it's, it's interesting. Maybe, that, maybe I should start That's a, there. That's
1: a very, no, it's a, it's a fair statement because in the, in the food business, typically turnover is very, very high. Um, And
0: where I was going with with that is like what, like how do you continue to instill that purpose over and over and over? Like I think the things that you're doing are great, you know, saying what did you do to serve somebody today? Like that's that's obviously doing that, and you're constantly reminding reminding them of of those values. But I still think it's got to be a challenge on with a team of, you know, twenty plus people where
1: the, the turnover is typically yeah, we're, higher. Yeah, we're not, we're not paying them a million bucks, right? So it's, it's, it's hard to retain them, but that, that missional living is really what gives them purpose. Uh, there's, there's been multiple studies about millennials. They are really looking for something to connect to and to really connect, the, connect to a mission. Um, and I wish I could reference study here, study there, but I've read multiple studies about how millennials, uh, how they live and how they think. Because a lot of the people that we hire, especially at the Butler Plaza location, are millennials. And even at Tioga, we're going to be hiring a bunch of millennials. Um, whether you define it as 18 to 35, I don't, whatever. Um, <laughs> missional living is really what they're trying to connect to, and Maple Street has done a fantastic job of creating that culture of uh, connecting to a mission and making it more than just biscuits. Um, the food is just icing on the cake. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you a story. Um, there was a lady that was one of the first hires at Maple Street in a San Marco location, or maybe it's Murray Hill, one, one of the locations in Jacksonville. Um, her name is Chelsea. Uh, Scott Moore, who's the founder of Maple Street, was uh, heavily involved in the, in the operations at that time. And um, just took notice that her, uh, her shoes were a little bit worn out, this was her first job. Uh, she was just getting back on her feet and uh, he said, you know, come outside with me, we're gonna go for a walk. He's just kind of picking her brain about how she was uh, liking Maple Street, anything that they can do to make it better for her, and he purposely takes her by the Toms store, and he knows in conversation that that he had in the past with her that she loves Toms. So he walks in, he's like, you you like Toms, right? And she's like, yeah, okay, Why why are you asking me that? And before they leave the store, he buys her a pair of Toms. And she's been with Maple Street since the beginning because of that moment. So what, what Scott did when he rolled out the, the, the franchisee or the Charter Store model was that he mandated that a portion of our f- royalty fees, uh, uh, this is called 1% of the royalty fees, is mandated to give back to your employees mm-hmm. to make sure that they are in some benevolent way taken care of. Mm-hmm. And we, in, we ingrained that into our, our employees that you know this is not just a a place to work this is not a job if we if we use the term job we're just you get you get you get in trouble um, because we are part of a mission and if you are coming to work here you need to have some kind of understanding of that mission and that's that's the way we hire and uh, that our turnover is very low at Maple Street I mean obviously there's there's kids that are graduating and moving on and want to go back home but um, by design uh, we retain a lot of employees a, a lot and it's, uh, it's it's very unique for the industry because I, I can tell you right now, I can go into a restaurant any given time and probably see new faces every single time I go. Um, but, but, but we try not to make that at Maple Street Way.
3: I gotta say, dude, every single time you use the phrase icing on the cake, I'm thinking icing on the ice <laughs> cinnamon pecans. You got some of those coming biscuits. your way, George. Okay, I'm just saying, If you've not been to Maple Street yeah. yet or you've not had their iced cinnamon pecans, you need to hook it up. I, I think. Now Colin, I gotta bring you some back. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that's the I'll be you gotta back. Bring I'll back. be right, right back. Now, no, okay. eating it right now. Yeah, on I'll the be show. right back. You know, Colin, I think that question is such a beautiful question about, about retention. I think the phrase you used was missional living. Yeah and the fact that you're not this isn't a job, this is, you're, you're committing to a mission, that's just beautiful, man, absolutely beautiful. I remember a few years ago when I worked at a school here in town, I was making zero money, <laughs> zero. And I remember my pastor at the time, I would talk to him and he would say, yeah, I used to work at a school as well, and he would tell me about his principal, his headmaster at his school, and he would tell me this one phrase that his headmaster would use and he his headmaster would say publicly in front of his whole team he would say my job is to make sure you guys are compensated at the highest level possible so one i never heard that from my from my leadership team at all but two when i heard it it made me desire a culture in which that was the case and i remember the impact that had on to, had on me to learn that if the leadership team is after your best interest what a culture that builds and so About a year ago, I was challenged by my vision statement, the 20 children with 20 people. I said, that's good, but my business consultant was encouraging me, I'm not sure that's really enough. It doesn't really unpack exactly what you're going for. It's not super clear, and so it took me one year to write one sentence that helped me to wrap my heart around that thing that that breaks my heart, that purpose statement. And so about three months ago, I rolled out to the team what I called our expanded vision statement. So our vision as a company, our expanded internal vision statement, is to be a company that team members never want to leave, clients can't do without, and that the world is better for. So publicly wow. now, I just communicated to my team, I believe that I exist and my vision to build this company is to build a company that team members never want to leave. That changes the landscape. Yeah. To say the leadership team is now about building a culture here and building a team that you never want to leave. What can I do to make that happen? How do we work together to, to, to Produce retention together because if you believe in this mission, and then never want you to stop being a part of it.
0: All right, so I got a question wow. for you. Now you have your first remote employee, right? Remote team member—better word for it. Um, how do you get that buy-in from somebody who works remote? I think there's, you know, there's some there's something about being in the environment, right? Yeah. Like, like I get it. Like the culture isn't necessary. Like. Isn't necessarily the things around you, right? It's it's the people, it's those values, it's that mission and vision, vision. But when there's something about being engulfed in it all the time, being being there, being surrounded by the other people, right? Now you have a team member who is, you know, remote. Like, how do you like? What things are you gonna do to to ensure? that that culture bleeds into that individual or those individuals as you continue to grow.
3: Yeah, I can't speak too well about that yet because it's it's very Still new. new. It, it, it's yeah. very new, but at the same time I also feel in somewhat incapable of speaking to this because the team member who is doing this has been the one to construct the vision for it around okay. the mission of this company. And while, I, while I'm new to this, <laughs> I would say this, hiring team members who work here in the office, that's extremely difficult. Hiring team members who would be remote is even more difficult <laughs> because, no because what they have to embrace can't often be quite as felt. Yeah. And so much of culture and customer service experience is about what is felt or perceived. Uh, technology is obviously the tool that that creates these barriers and these bridges. Every time I call her, I don't call her on the phone. I call her on Slack. When I call her on Slack, video is enabled. Every time, we got to see your face. We got to be we got to be doing this all the time, but. She's an incredible asset to our team. She's a person who at an exemplary level believes in our mission and our values and wants to see that implemented in a remote work program. So she came to me and said, here's what I will do and here's what I will commit to to make our vision and our mission and our core values happen on a daily basis if you allow me to work from, from a remote work team. She laid out a plan. She used to work at Dell. Um, she had remote, I wanna say her her, her boss was in a remote position when she worked there. That's mm-hmm. a pretty difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she knows that culture, and she's saying, I want to bring that to FOS. I want to I want to forward our company through that. Okay,
0: so with <laughs> everything said so far in this conversation, what would you guys say is the biggest threat
1: to your company cultures? Bad, bad hires. <laughs> um, yeah, if they don't... I heard, I heard it said somewhere, I can't remember where, but culture eats vision for lunch every single day of the week. <laughs> and if you hire wrong and don't have that culture, you're not gonna go very far. Um, so I think that hiring is very, very, very important. Uh, a bad hire will set you back not only financially, but it could set you back culturally. Um, so I would definitely say uh, bad hire, um, not giving, getting that level of consistency. Uh, one thing that keeps me up at night is how are we going to recreate the Maple Street Way? Not only in having taken over the Butler Plaza restaurant, but also in opening the Tioga restaurant, uh, being able to have that consistency to where you, you, go, you go to one Maple Street in Jacksonville, or say Chattanooga, or say Frisco, Texas, and then you come to Gainesville, are we replicating that Maple Street Way? Uh, and I think that a big part of that is because the two biggest costs for a restaurant are labor and food. Uh, so food. Let's just set that to the side because that that'll kill your business too, uh, kill your stomach as well, and, and your toilets. Um, <laughs> but definitely, the, the the things that we can control are the food and the labor. And if the labor is not right, I think that uh, that's a could be a death sentence. I learned that
0: lesson the hard way. Uh, I don't know if I've ever told you the story, but like we, uh, one year I had hired a tech, and this was a long time ago, and brought this brought this person in, and i uh I knew in my gut that it was wrong. Mm-hmm. you know I knew it was wrong, and i needed i was like i need to like i need to let this person go. it's not not a right fit, not a right fit. and my team, my team was so desperate for help mm-hmm. that they were like. Oh, but I like Colin. I get it. I get it. But we need, like, just keep, just keep them on. Just keep them on. Like, look for somebody else. But like, keep them on, until we find more help. And and, and you know, we we just need more help. But like, we're we're drowning. We're drowning. And, and I felt bad. So what did I do? I kept him on. And a very short time later, he goes out for a drive, a test drive on a scooter. I think he was smoking a cigarette while driving it. Hit a speed bump. Like in some parking lot, North Gainesville, an area that he shouldn't have been in, ends up wrecking, breaking his collarbone. Oh. Ends up like ends up, you know, having this workers' comp claim that was like over a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it was something ridiculous. Wasn't able to work for the time that we needed him for, right? So he wasn't <laughs> able to work anyway. And then. And then, it, like, of course, in your mind, as an employer, that standpoint, you're like, man, like, I knew this guy was wrong from the beginning, and now he's going to come back, and now I, now it's like, like, I can't fire him because now he's hurt, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. are you going to fire him because he's hurt? <laughs> you know what I mean? That doesn't look good. And the, when the truth is, like, I wanted to fire him because he was just a terrible fit and terrible team member, and I knew, you know, and oh my That's gosh, painful, it man. was it was yeah. painful. Yeah. It was painful. And, and then he goes on even further from there because then he comes back, and then I feel like obligated to keep him. He ends up dropping a customer scooter, mm-hmm. right? Like on its side. Customer comes and comes to pick it up, and like and later get like picks it up, goes home, and then calls me. And is like, hey, Colin, you know, like there's some damage on the side of my scooter that wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. I was like, what are you talking about, man? He's. I was like, well, you know, I'm sorry. Like it didn't happen here, and he's like, he's like, no, I'm pretty sure it did. And I was like, look, man, like we have. We have very strict policies when it comes to this. My team knows that they can come to me. Like we're gonna take care of it. They're not gonna lose their job. I mean, accidents happen. Yeah. Like we've created this culture around that. And like That's good. And, you know, and and sure enough, he did drop it. Another team member thought he had told me about it, and I had found out that he had dropped. I'm like, like this just got deeper and deeper and deeper. And good I cannot note. tell you how bad it is to keep uh, the wrong person. When you yeah. know in your gut yeah. that somebody That's is good. a wrong fit for your team, yeah. get rid of them fast. Yeah. I mean, fast. I don't care how desperate your team is for help, get rid of them yeah. fast. Cause so that was the hardest lesson that I've had to, le- <laughs> to learn when it <laughs> so comes good. to hiring and firing yeah. and keep, I mean,
3: man. And document it really good along oh, the way. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. No <laughs> oh my doubt my about gosh, it. Man, well, I think, I think you know, Jason, Colin, you guys are dead on. I think the number one threat to culture is definitely um, the people we hire and yeah. consistency. But if I could <clears throat> maybe just offer an, another perspective or maybe the third thing on that, that numbered list right there, I would say at times the biggest threat to the culture of my company is myself. Mm. Wow. Um, that i don't realize that while culture is assessed at a at a at a big level a macro level right you take in all interactions and you define we have a good culture it is persuaded by micro interactions every word that i use every imperative verb that i command every every adjective that i use to describe somebody on my team just slightly changes the perspective, just for a moment. It rows the boat in, in a different direction for just a moment where Brandon, they're going, is, is Brandon really in on this? Does Brandon really believe in this? Does mm-hmm. Brandon really, uh, d- does he care about me on this team? Does he believe that I have an impact here in this company? And I think sometimes I just need to realize that I'm a ceiling, not just to our, our executive level thinking and strategic planning, I'm, I'm a ceiling to our culture yeah. And that if I don't come in obsessively positive every day, seeing my leadership as something more that I'm supposed to give away than get from the people on my team, uh, I'll completely destroy the culture of my company. Yeah. If I'm not an example on a daily basis of each of our core values, I won't see that reflected in my team.
1: That's so good. And if I can expound on that, that's that's, that's an outstanding uh, me- metaphor. I love that very, very much. But I would also say in... You can be a you can be a lid as well, but not trusting your teammates and not trusting the people that you've hired and vetted out and spent so much time with and pouring into um, because uh, I know I've, I've had this challenge before I, th- I think I can do everything very very well, but why do I need those people on my team uh, well this, they're they're their arms and hands and the feet of the vision and if I can get you to perform at eighty percent of what I feel like I can do hundred percent, I can roll with that yeah. the twenty percent We'll, we'll, we'll just continue to correct and continue to train, but if I can get 80% of what I think I can do well, because some, sometimes I, I'm, I'm just high on myself and it probably shouldn't be, um, I, I, I can also be a lid if I do not put that trust and lead and, and do that, because leading is really just influencing people to uh, get the best out of them. Yeah, that's, that's um, so. so
3: good. You know, it, the, I think one of the biggest lessons I've been learning recently about trust is that trust is two steps forward, one step back. Two steps forward, one step. If you see it that way, it completely changes the way you think about onboarding and training people on the team. Yeah. I'm gonna give you a little bit of freedom, but I just want you to know, I'm gonna review that email before it goes no out. Doubt. And then next time, you can send it out, but if I hear anything back, we'll talk about it. Yeah. And then you can handle all that, and this is what's gonna happen. It, it's, it's always one, two steps forward, one step back, always. And people know that from the beginning. Here's, here's the gate that you operate at, at, at first, it's small. And then the gate gets a little bit wider. And then the, the, the fold gets a little bit wider each time uh, but that there's gonna be transparency along the way. Regarding people who um, uh, can do things for you or delegation, I think another big lesson that I've been learning recently is that some people's garbage is another person's treasure. This is another thing that I got from Andy <laughs> Stanley. The idea that there are some things I hate to do mm-hmm. that other people love to do. I'm building this thing. (laughs) If any of you guys are following our Instagram story, by the time this this airs, it'll probably be done. My Instagram story's been showing a giant project that I've been building with my kids. It was a Kinex piece, my wife and I have a deal, like, hey, anything over $50 that you buy, we agree upon it before you buy I came in one night and I said, baby, I made a mistake. (laughs) 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 I bought a very, very large, I won't even tell you how much, Kinex Ferris wheel. Dang it, I just gave it away. Well, that's okay, it's gonna be done by now. (laughs) <laughs> is six foot tall, has 8,867 pieces. It's taken us seven weeks to do, Think and we're probably that. only 60% of the way through nice. this project. It's, it's gigantic. It's amazing. I had a friend come over one day, and she saw all the little boxes that we had of all the little pieces, the white ones in this box, the red ones in this box, and she looked at it, and she was like... <gasps> if you need any help organizing these in the future, let me know, I will literally come over just to organize, it'd be so much fun. And I look at her and go, that was the dumbest part of this job. (laughs) I hated getting those out of the bag and putting them in there, I'd just rather build it. And that's the fun thing. One person's garbage is another person's treasure. So when you hang on to everything, you kill your culture. No doubt about it. People want to do the things that you hate It sometimes. Uh, Give it away and you'll empower people on your team. uh, Well Ty, I mean you, you're exposed to so many companies. Yeah. I mean,
0: is there any company that you're just like, man, this this company's culture, like, that's it? Like, <laughs> you know, that's just like a perfect model for somebody, whether it's in Gainesville or, or somewhere else?
2: Yeah, you know, I, being a golfer and running a golf course in Vegas where we had 67 employees, it was, we definitely did not have the culture that I wanted. But I was around a lot of people, um, just because it was new and Golf, like the restaurant business, we had a restaurant inside that was like the side business of the golf course, and it's a nightmare. Um, <laughs> you know, trying to do everything at the Thanks same time. Thanks for the time. vote of confidence. And uh, no, but it's a lot of fun. I, lo- I loved it. It's just, it's a struggle. That's cool. Um, but I got to be around a lot of amazing cultures while I was in Vegas at Marquee nightclubs or at Aria in the casinos, and just seeing the level of customer service at a, at like a Vegas. Um, you know, right when you come up to the hotel versus even when you're in Orlando or Miami or Jacksonville, just the difference, it's its so much, it's just at a different level. Um, just how they, you know, serve you from the left or whatever, even at the smallest, most insignificant restaurant on the strip, it's done the perfectly. things they don't even think because, about. Yeah, well all of the chefs there, you know, they all see themselves as billboard chefs at some point <laughs> and they're giving you that experience from day one. So, you know. I mean, that's a huge part of, a lot
0: of company cultures. I mean, obviously with ours, it's yeah. our number one core value is create yeah. and recreate the UCE, that
2: ultimate customer experience. Yeah. So it's the forefront of our culture. Yeah, but, but I wanted to kind of cycle on something where I think everyone's trying to improve their company culture or their, you know, whatever, um, how they look from the outside in. And something I think Brandon deals with a lot is you're working with people without maybe a correct mission statement, without the vision, without the branding with all of these new social media platforms popping up all the time and maybe they're reading blogs and reading books and they have no idea what they're doing and they come to you and they're like, hey, I need all of this. How do you point them kind of in the right direction to start where it seems manageable um, and it's a right for their business? Are you are you solving their business themselves? Because I, I deal with it a little bit where they're like, hey, what should I do? And I'm like, well, you need to do these three things first and then we can look at everything else. Mm. That's
3: that's beautiful, what a great question, man. How do we help them unpack that? We start with strategic planning. We start with mission and vision values for a company. Um, because again, my conviction, the whole concept of FOS and being a light and piercing piercing through that sea of sameness is if you get this right, you get your UVP. You get your unique value proposition, you get your unique messaging that's gonna cut through that, that noise uh, from your, your mission, your vision, and your values. And I believe that that affects customer experience, it affects culture, culture affects bottom line, that's the thing, I don't have time to invest in, in, uh, in, in strategic planning, I don't have time to sit down and try and figure out our values, that'd be so much work. What if you got more work done afterwards? <laughs> Because you did that, I think you know customer experience again is affected by all that at the same time. But I think customer experience begins way before somebody ever walks in your front door. Mm-hmm. Your customer experience, your ultimate customer experience, begins with your brand. It begins with your website, and I'll sit down with these these companies who have been in existence some of them for fifty two
2: years. Yeah, and sometimes they're the they're the worst because it's worked for so long. yes. And they, they need that kind of kick in the butt and say, hey, like if you're gonna last another 52 years, you've got to improve these things.
3: We worked with a company recently, they had been in existence for 52 years. It was a third generation company, third generation. And he told me, somebody told me along the way, first generation is all the passion, second generation is keep. let me keep it going, and third generation it dies. And I remember sitting down with their leadership team meeting over at Napolitano's in a back room once to have a strategic planning session and I tried to mine from them their mission. Like, tell me why you exist. The first answer was a complete jab at their culture. And I said, no, 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 no. Tell me, tell me why you exist. And somebody said, I do it. Uh, we exist and I work here because it's only 30 seconds from my house. It's a small distance. I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> I said, how about this? How about this? When you sit down at Christmas and your mom asks you, could you remind me what you do again? Because it's really complex, very niche industry. And I saw their faces light up when they began to tell me the stories that they told. And somebody else's face lights up and says, yeah, I remember when I tell these stories about why we exist and what we do to the people in the back who are building the things that we do, and I saw this company light up and their mission come to action. I got a call on a Monday morning, that was on a Thursday, so three business days later, I get a call. I just want you to know that one of the people in that meeting came to work today more fired up to do what they do than I've ever seen before. Ah, That customer experience passion was back, and I love to see that reflected on somebody's website. Oh, we have a great customer experience. You walk in the door, here's what's gonna happen. People are gonna greet you kindly. It's gonna be so warm. We're gonna hand you a cup of coffee. You're gonna sit down on our comfy couch. It's gonna be an amazing experience. I said, but your website's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. and it's slow, and I don't wanna be there, and uh, the photography's unengaging, it doesn't feel anything like that, and I love to be able to change that experience and say what you do in store, you now do online. Okay, yeah.
2: that's great. We gotta wrap up in a minute. One thing I wanna ask Jason before, before we wrap up, so the new location location's opening within the month, it'll be open when you're listening to this podcast, yeah. what are you guys doing? Getting ready for the opening? As far as going to the other businesses in Tioga, saying, "Hey, we're here. Yeah. Uh, we love you. You know, come yeah. over." Um, and what are you guys doing for like a grand opening? Does Maple Street do anything yeah. special um, for that sort of thing?
1: So, that, great question. So that that process had actually started about two or three months ago. We just started going out and, and with biscuits in hand, just saying, "Hey, we're here. We're here to serve you." We gotta give them a nice box of ice, cinnamon, pecan biscuits. Yes. <laughs> yes. Once, once you taste those, you're yes. customers for life. We're yes. never not gonna see you. So, uh, but yeah, we we started doing that within Tioga Town Center months ago, and then just engaging them and let them know uh, being a part of the process of our construction. Uh, we we did make some people upset with the construction process, but we brought them biscuits too. I mean, biscuits make everything better, man. It just <laughs> they just do. So. Um,
0: oh, you're upset. Here's
1: the biscuit. Makes everything better. Here's the
0: biscuit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but so so we did that, and Tioga's gonna be a unique. Uh, Location. Uh, When we first started with Maple Street, they wanted to get all these old second-gen spaces in towns uh, that were kind of uh, dead and make them bring them to life. And they still do that to an extent. Um, So Butler Plaza was very unique. It was the first one we've ever done in a shopping center. Uh, This one will be the first one we've ever done in a lifestyle center. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even with, even with, (laughs) <laughs> we had a challenge with Starbucks, because obviously we serve coffee as well, and we had to restrict that a little bit. Um, but even with them, um, besides taking one of their employees, um, we, went, we went over <laughs> to them and just said, hey, we're, we're a blessing to you. I mean, encourage people to get their coffee and bring it over to, bring it over to Maple Street. We're a community-based uh, organization. And then we went out to different organizations in town and let them know that, hey, we are always looking to be a blessing. Um, and, and hooked up with uh, Gainesville Family Promise is gonna be a part of the grand opening. A portion yes. of the proceeds will go back to, to that mission. Um, they house uh, families in Gainesville who have been displaced and, and, and uh, homeless and, and are just falling on bad circumstances. Um, but we're also doing a bunch of giveaways. So the first five people will get free biscuits And a free a free meal and free coffee for an entire year, limit one per week. Okay, Um, (laughs) uh, the next person will get the next five people will get uh, coffee, unlimited coffee for a month. Uh, Our coffee is is house roasted out of Jacksonville. I know because I filled up my car going to the roaster and bringing it back to Gainesville. Saves on saves on shipping. So Um, (laughs) the next, uh, I think it's the next. Fifteen people or so will get a free Maple Street T-shirt. I'll take the back. So the next couple of people, everybody f- after that will be getting uh, entered into a random drawing. Th- we'll give away con uh, cups. Um, we'll give away mugs. Uh, we'll give away more cards uh, for free free coffee for a month. And then the last 15 people will get a free T-shirt and a mug. Uh, for the last 15 people that show up at a Maple Street. Don't know how we're going to determine that, but um, just just hold your horses and come in maybe close to two o'clock. You know, you'll, be, you'll be fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we, we're letting people know that we're here very organically. Uh, we're not doing a whole bunch of sponsored this and sponsored that on social media, although social media is a big driver for our business, but we are uh, making that organic touch and organic relationships. Um, we participated in LeaderCast, which Brandon was a part of. Um, so yeah, we're letting people know we're here very organically, because relationships is what, what drives us.
0: Yeah, it drives everything, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> relationships yeah, drive it's very everything. True.
1: Yeah, we're so, not unique. Well anymore. guys,
0: thank you so much for being here. Before we wrap up, just tell the world where we can find you. Yeah. You know, I mean obviously we know your locations, Butler Plaza yeah. and soon to be Tioga Town Center, but online, social media, that kind of
1: thing. So we're we're on Instagram and Facebook at uh, Maple Street Tioga, Maple Street Butler Plaza. Very easy to find and uh, we'd love to engage with you there. Cool,
3: yeah. Facebook, Instagram, both handles, Phos Creative, P-H-O-S, and then uh, you can reach out to us at hello at com. Awesome. Dude, guys, thank you
0: so much for being here. This is awesome, it's a lot of fun. A My whole, a whole discussion
3: having. on company culture, something that I'm
0: extremely passionate about and that I love, so that was excellent. And, um, you know, so, Ty, any
2: last words? No, I'm excited to have Maple Street. Um, I'm at West End all the time teaching. Nice. Uh, so <laughs> yes. I'm over there all the time. Yeah, yeah man, we deliver. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Everybody, thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you. Please go share this episode. Go tell somebody about our podcast. Let them know what we're doing. And we're going to continue to bring you individuals and businesses that make you go
3: I was waiting for everybody
0: oh, to go. Oh, whoa,
1: whoa,
3: whoa.
1: <laughs>
0: whoa. I'm like, wait, I, was, I was hoping, I was like going for that moment. I'm like, this is going to be the time where I can Do it again. Like, One, two, three. Do it again. <laughs> the podcast bringing you individuals and businesses that make you go.
2: Whoa. whoa. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>